0: Turn with me to Leviticus, a book that we, uh, I think, uh, because it is so alien uh, to us, where it is so uh, far and uh, distant from anything that we know, it's uh, maybe not one of the easiest of uh, uh, words to hear. Especially uh, now that we're so far removed, uh, well, personally, anyway, from a, an agricultural background, where uh, we do not know where our um, our meat comes from, we pick it up very nicely packaged in its uh, in its packaging. And for some of us who may be a bit squeamish to be uh, uh, reading of what is happening to um, uh, to the livestock, to the uh, bulls, to the uh, to the uh, To the flocks and to the uh, fowl, it's maybe a, something that's alien to us, and also uh, we no longer have uh, a temple, we no longer have an altar where sacrifices are, are brought. and we think well where is the, uh, the, the good news of, of Christ Jesus? Where is the, the gospel uh, here in these words. Now that we no longer have uh, these sacrifices that are made on this daily basis over and over again, those who are hearing from our brother on uh, Thursday evening at the prayer meeting, uh, we can see types of uh, and see Christ in, uh, in in the words that we read, remember the remembering that this uh, whole book which is Uh, of the Old and New Testaments. What is contained in there is the word of God, and we know that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, therefore, uh, we turn to Leviticus, and we are blessed by what we read. Entitled this sermon, God Provides the Sacrifice, God Provides uh, the Sacrifice, because that is what is happening here. And we'll see that not just for the people, uh, uh, God's people here in the wilderness, but also for ourselves also. So we look at at the first few verses. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. The Lord God calls Moses. Moses is going to act as a mediator between God and God's people, his people. We need to remember the context of what is happening here as these uh, are words of God, these, uh, how, how the sacrifices are to take place and uh, are coming after, uh, which we read in Exodus, that uh, tragedy of the the people uh, seeing uh, Moses leaving them to go up to the mountain where he uh, received the the commandments, and he was gone for such a long time, they thought, well, is he coming back, and so therefore shall we make a God of our own making. And so therefore they gathered together the gold and molded it into a, a golden calf. people rebelling against God so soon after being brought out of the land of Egypt. And so therefore, the people know that they have sinned. The people also know that God is holy. Right? We were reminded that they were told not to venture anywhere near the mountain, nor even uh, the livestock for the fact that death would come to them. They know that they have sinned. They know that they are sinners before a holy God. And so the Lord calls Moses to act as a mediator for him. He speaks unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Here we have the tabernacle. Remember that and this is, uh, the, the temple will be built eventually. Uh, But for the moment, remember that God gave those specific instructions about how the tabernacle was to be built, its its, uh, dimensions, what was to be contained in it. And it was built to those high specifications because the Lord our God is holy and pure and perfect. And the people carried out those commands to the letter that was given to them. And even then, the Holy Spirit, we remember, was moving through uh, certain of the craftsmen that they were able to bring glory to God in the work that they did in the manufacture of that tabernacle. And so now God is in the midst of his people. He's in the midst of his people. He speaks to Moses out of the tabernacle of the congregation. He is not a far-off, removed deity. He is with his people, in the midst of his people. And here he is speaking to his people. And the book of Leviticus is a book that is quoted also often in the scriptures of the New Testament, especially the book of Hebrews, where the writer there looks back uh, to see how the worship of God took place and then uses that to show us how this was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And so here we are at the beginning of the book of Leviticus, the Lord amongst his people, in their very presence, in their very midst, speaking to them through Moses. And what does he say in verse 2? He says, speak unto the children of Israel. Speak unto the children of Israel. Remember uh, the apostle John. Where he says, my beloved children, those words of intimacy, they're reminding us of the fatherhood of God. And here we have this also, don't we? Speak unto the children of Israel. These are my people, my children. I have brought them out. I am their father God, the one who provides for them. And so here he is making a way for them through the sacrifices that they are to bring to God. And we're reminded, we remember the sacrifices of old, remember the sacrifice of the, uh, the animals that were killed uh, by God to clothe Adam and Eve as they rebelled. We're reminded of the way that the God provided for Adam and Eve, and in, even in their rebellion, even in their sin, he still was their God. He did, did not abandon them. He provided a way for them to have that uh, comfort of clothing, that sacrifice of an animal for that very purpose. We, re- we remember uh, Abraham and his son Isaac. We remember the words of, of Isaac, the son, saying we have the word, Father, but, but where is sacrifice? I remember the words that Abraham spoke to his son. The, the Lord God Almighty will provide The sacrifice, that's what happens. As uh, Abraham uh, raised up uh, the knife uh, to sacrifice his son Isaac, God stepped in and said, stop, there is uh, another. And again, there is that uh, Christ is uh, is the sacrifice there, as the ram caught in the, the thicket. The people knew their sin. They knew that they had rebelled. They knew that their God was a holy God. And they knew uh, that they needed uh, not just to, uh, be, uh, to, to appease him, but also that they needed to be reconciled to him. And God was providing a way that God provides the sacrifice. And so here we, we read in verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. And again, we see here that God has provided for them the sacrifice uh, that he is requesting. We have those stories of old where the hero is given this quest where he has got to uh, travel to distant lands, slay uh, these uh, great creatures to be able to win the prize that he may return and uh, receive the prize. The children of Israel do not have to step outside into the vast wilderness that is before them. They have the herds, they have the cattle, they have the flock. They have the, uh, the turtle dove. They have the pigeon amongst them. God has provided for them. Even in the, uh, the plunder that they took from the Egyptians, God said, "Take, ask your neighbors for things. Take from your neighbors. And here they are being provided. Even the sacrifices that they are to give, God provides the sacrifice for them. And this is all for God. If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, it's for the Lord. He shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd, and of the flock. As we read in verse 3, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, uh, let him offer a male without blemish. And here we see that that first type, we see uh, the the, the male animal here representing the, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the one who would take away the sin of the world. For he was without blemish, without spot. He was pure, perfect. Let him offer a male without blemish. And there straight away we see, don't we, Christ Jesus, the sacrifice, that God will provide the sacrifice, that Christ himself offered himself up as that perfect, spotless sacrifice for his people. And then we read, he shall offer it of his own voluntary will. That's something that he was forced to do the head of the household did not have to if he did not so wish it was voluntary offer it of his own voluntary will they weren't forced to come and offer a sacrifice as we see all that was required was the will to offer the sacrifice that their sin may be atoned for and As we see, as we read through the chapter, what we see is we have uh, the provision for the rich, for the middle-income people, for the poorest. You could bring a, a bull. You could bring a uh, a flock, a, a, a sheep from the flock, a male sheep from the flock. You could, if you couldn't afford that, you would bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. And we remember remember that it's neither uh, slave or free, male or female, Jew or Gentile. God welcomes all. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, of a high social standing or not, if you're morally correct or not, if you're an outstanding, upstanding citizen, but you had to come to the tabernacle with your offering. You had to come and bring your offering. And when we read Exodus and we see the layout of the the tabernacle, as you came through the doorway, the first thing that you would see would be the altar. The altar would be uh, facing you. And so therefore, we could not approach God unless you brought your sacrifice, which had been provided by God in the first place. You could not come close to God except by coming and approaching the altar with your offering. And there, God would meet you. And we're reminded in Revelation 22, verses 16 and 17, that offer of the gospel where it's given, whosoever will, let him come. The door was open for the sinner to come to seek atonement through the sacrifice that was given and you came to the altar. We hear the words, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come. so God is saying, the Lord God is calling unto Moses, speaking to him to say, speak to the children of Israel. Let them come into my presence. Let them come and have their sins atoned for. The door was open to all, whether you be rich or poor. The spirit and the bride say, come. And so we ask that question, ask that question, are you willing to come? Do you thirst for the living water? The river, that river of living water, are you thirsty for the living God? Are you willing to come to the cross of Christ? And so he comes offering it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Before the Lord, there's those few words there, before the Lord are just so important. It's in the midst of God. God is at the center of all this. God has provided the sacrifice. God has provided the tabernacle. God has provided the open doorway. God has provided uh, Aaron's sons. It's all been provided. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Come before the Lord God Almighty, not coming to a philosophy, not coming to an ideology, not coming to a political movement, but coming to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of heaven and earth coming to the one who has made that way of reconciliation coming to the one who has provided the sacrifice the only begotten son Jesus Christ and so we move on into verse 4 and he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering the uh, The word for for put here is really lean. He shall really just lean upon. His hand will be leaning upon his whole body, leaning upon uh, the head of uh, the offering that was to be given. And here what we see is that faith in action. This is faith in action. Even though it just be a uh, a leaning uh, with your hand upon the head of the offering, to believe that the wrath of God is being poured out on, uh, onto that animal. Now they knew, they knew that the sacrifice of, of an animal did not take away uh, their sin or bring atonement, as it were. They knew that the, the animal in their place they, was, was not sufficient. They knew that. But they were looking forward uh, to what had been promised all the way back from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the seed of the woman would come the one Messiah would come even though uh, Satan would bruise his heel Satan's head would be crushed they were looking forward to that so therefore they could see in this that although there was a Messiah was to come the one who the ultimate sacrifice was to come they knew they trusted, they had faith. They were looking forward just as we look back to the cross of Christ. We know they were looking, they did not understand fully as we understand more fully now. But they had that faith and it was being put into action uh, that the wrath of God will be poured out upon this animal because this is what God had commanded them to do. And so it was good and pleasing to God that they would do this, that they would have the faith to do this. That it wouldn't just be a, uh, a mechanical action, just a rite of passage, or just something that you would just uh, wake up one morning and think, oh, I'll go and do that because it looks like everybody else is doing it. They had that belief. They had that faith. Because as God says, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him shall be acceptable to God. This is an acceptable offering to make atonement for him. Pleasing to God, acceptable to God. This is the God that we worship, honour and adore. The God who is good, the God who is gracious, the God who is merciful. Merciful. And when your friends and neighbors and maybe even family members say, well, what about uh, there's this God of, of, of the Old Testament who was such, seemed such a bloodthirsty God, a despotic God, a God who uh, wanted uh, uh, tribes and, and nations to be wiped out, where is the love there? And yet we see here, don't we, that reconciliation between God and his people, that he was making that way. Would be becoming that great fulfillment of Christ upon the cross. But here we see God speaking to his people through Moses about the sacrifice that they could bring voluntarily as they came into the presence of God. For what the offerer knew was that he was identifying himself with the offering. He was, as it were, leaving his sins upon the sacrifice, upon that offering. And that is all that he could do. There was no other way. But this was the way that God had made in that time, in that instance. And he also knew, the offering knew, that this was what he could do. This is what he was being commanded to do, being told to do. And then he had to have faith that God would then carry out his side of the plan what happened to the offering was then what God would do what happened to the offering was then what God would do that was out of the hands of the offerer there was nothing more that they could do but to, to, to willingly voluntarily come and bring a sacrifice that was without spot or blemish a male to lean upon the head of that animal and to believe that the sins that he carried out he's committed even of his own household will be placed upon that animal and atonement will be made for him. That's that faith in action, that belief. He knows that he's not able to atone for his own sin. He can't do a work to make himself be forgiven. He leans upon uh, the sacrifice And as we know, God then also on his side, he leans his hand upon the head of that sacrifice also. And just as our sin was placed on Jesus Christ, then God lent his wrath on Christ instead of us. That great exchange. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And then he shall kill. uh, In the first instance we have the bullock before the Lord and the priests. Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. The offerer kills the bullock. And then the priests sprinkle the blood round upon the altar, and here we see that type where we we know of Christ Jesus who nailed to the cross, crown of thorns upon his head, who'd been whipped and beaten and flogged for an inch of his life. flayed the blood here was being sprinkled when it says sprinkled it was a messy business we when we read exodus we read of the uh, of 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 the the uniform uh, that uh, the priests were to wear and you can imagine the 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 mess not just the, the the blood that will be upon them as they carried about uh, out, out this business but also the, uh, uh, the, the other parts of the, the, the animal also and we are reminded of that great cost of Christ Jesus upon the cross the horrific barbaric torture that he went through for you for me And then he shall, he shall flay the burnt offering, cut it into pieces, open it up. And so here we have the, uh, the, the, the head and, and the fat, to lay the parts out, the head and the fat in verse 8. The insides and the outsides, nothing is hidden. Our sin is not, uh, cannot be hidden. All of our sin is placed upon Christ Jesus. That's what is uh, the symbol, symbolism here. The inwards and his legs shall be, shall be washed, and then all burnt upon the fire, and it's a sweet savour unto the Lord. Christ delighted in going to the cross because he knew that it would bring glory to God the Father. A sweet savour unto of the Lord God provides the sacrifice God provides the sacrifice the Spirit and the Bride say come God is at the centre of it it's his tabernacle. It's his meeting place. It's the place that he has made that we can meet with him before uh, the Lord, as we read at the end of verse 3. At the beginning of uh, the sermon, I was saying, well, how does this, we, we know uh, of the sacrifice that was made and how that, and we can apply that to Christ Jesus But this worship that was pleasing and uh, uh, bringing delight to God, that sweet savour unto the Lord. Well, that's all gone now, hasn't it? Surely. We certainly don't have a tabernacle in the wilderness that could be moved around wherever the people of God were led to. We don't have the, the, the temple in Jerusalem. We don't have the, the sacrifices, never mind on a, 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 a weekly basis, but on a daily basis, that this would have been. We no longer have an altar even to come to. But what we know and what we are reminded of is that fact that there are things that we don't have in worship that we don't need any longer to worship God. And we come here into this place, which people would say, well, it doesn't look much like a church to me. We don't have the smells and the bells. We don't have the vestments. We don't have the, the organ. we don't have uh, the pomp and the circumstance. We have no icons or symbols. Because that's not what we have now been given. Because now it's all being fulfilled in Christ. It's all fulfilled in Christ and so we ask that question well if this is not what we do and we look at other denominations and to a certain extent they are still doing uh, things uh, like this but we do not do that and we say well what what do we do when people ask us well what, what do you do and we say well it's what God has commanded us to do. We sing His Word simply and We sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs that He has uh, given to us in the Psalter. Uh, we pray, we read His Word, and we hear His Word preached. It's simple there's no drama in fact it looks as if nothing is happening especially compared uh, to what we read in Leviticus maybe even when we may compare ourselves to the denominations but we come Lord's day by Lord's day we simply come voluntarily Into the very presence of God. The communion of the saints, the fellowship of believers. Because it's all being fulfilled in Christ Jesus. It's all being fulfilled in Him. And so, what we have as we leave this place, as we go into the world, even though we're not of the world. We are strengthened by one another being here this day. We come to the prayer meeting on Thursday. We have our communion season coming up as well. And this is what sustains us. This is what God has provided for us. We do not need anything else because it's all been fulfilled in Christ Jesus sometimes you may ask the question well maybe there should be something more and that's what happens sometimes isn't it where a man may come along and say well we should maybe try this or maybe we should do this maybe this would attract people in because we're not really doing very much but the answer to that is no we have been given and God has provided the sacrifice in Christ Jesus and we simply come and we worship him we do not need the uh, the sounds the noise we do not need the pomp and the circumstance we do not need uh, the rituals we do not need uh, the, the the vestments We do not need the icons or the symbols or the stained glass windows. For all that we have has been provided by God that we may worship him in spirit and in truth. Christ on the cross said, it is finished. He fulfilled the mission that was set before him. And Lord's Day by Lord's Day we come and we remember and we celebrate that. Simply, we come into the presence of God, strengthened, renewed, as we're reconciled with him through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus upon the cross. Let us pray. Lord God, we simply come to the this Lord's Day evening And we know that this is pleasing to you in your sight, a sweet-smelling fragrance to you. And Lord God, help us to see this grace that you have given to us. Because it's all being fulfilled in Christ Jesus by his death upon the cross. That sacrifice the spotless, sinless one who died in the place of sinners such as us. That all who, may, believe, who all may come and believe in him may not perish but have everlasting life. And so our thirst is quenched by the living waters of that river of life that flows from the throne room of God. We are fed by the very word of God. And your Holy Spirit guides us. We simply come to you. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: We conclude our worship this Lord's Day evening with Psalm 148, Psalm 148, the first version. From verse 7 to the end, Psalm 148, from verse 7 to the end. Praise ye, Jehovah, from the earth, dragons and every deep fire, hail, snow, vapor, stormy wind, his word that fully keep, all hills and mountains, fruitful trees, and all ye cedars high, beasts and all cattle, creeping things, and all ye birds that fly. As we read in verse fourteen, we praise the Lord. Psalm one hundred forty-eight. We sing to praise God's to God's glory, praise and glory. The first version from verse seven. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> praise ye Jehovah from the.
0: Uh, prayer meeting on uh, Thursday the usual time of 7:30 and the Sabbath service the next Sabbath, the usual times so of 11 and 6:30 p.m. Uh, we have the service sermon uh, to mark the, uh, the seminary uh, opening of the new session uh, which will be here at half seven on Tuesday evening. Led by the principal Reverend Graham Craig, who is also giving the address, we are reminded to, uh, above all, uh, give our prayers for uh, the uh, the lecturers and the students. We are reminded of the communion service uh, shortly beginning, uh, starting a season on the Thursday 22nd uh, through to uh, Monday uh, evening. Uh, with Reverend Woods McGlynn and uh, Tom, the Reverend Thomas Buchanan uh, leading us in worship. Uh, there'll be a congregational meeting uh, on the Thursday the 29th of September with regard to the vacancy and uh, out in the vestibule there is a copy of the statement from the moderator uh, regarding the death of the Queen. And also the uh, September issue of The Witness has been delayed, but hopefully it will be delivered during the coming week. And the the services are all God willing. But now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost, be with you all. amen. Amen.